Unamonorayanaya, we are continuing today with chapter 5, Vajra's Talks with Maitreya, picking up with verse 17. Sukadevi Goswami said, The great sage Maitreya Muni, after honoring Vajra very greatly, began to speak at Vajra's request for the greatest welfare of all people. Sri Maitreya said, O Vajra, all glory unto you. You have inquired from me of the greatest of all goodness, and thus you have shown your mercy both to the world and to me, because your mind is always absorbed in thoughts of the transcendence. It is not all, it is not at all wonderful that you have so accepted the Lord without deviation of thought, for you were born from the semen of Vasya Deva. I know that you are now, Vidura, due to the cursing of Mandavya Muni, and that formerly you were king. Yamaraja, the great controller of living entities after their death. You were begotten by the son of Satyavati Vasudeva and the kept wife of his brother. Your good self is one of the eternal associates of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, for whose sake the Lord, while going back to his abode, left instructions with me. I shall therefore describe to you the pastimes by which Lord Vishnu extends his transcendental potency for the creation, maintenance, and dissolution of the cosmic world as they occur one after another. Lord Vishnu, the master of all living entities, existed prior to the creation as one without a second. It is by his will only that creation is made possible, and again everything merges in him. This supreme self is symptomized by different names. The Lord the undisputed proprietor of everything, was the only seer. The cosmic manifestation was not present at that time, and thus he felt imperfect without his planarian separated parts and parcels. The material energy was dormant, whereas the entire potency was manifested. The Lord is the seer, and the external energy, which is seen, works as both cause and effect in the cosmic manifestation. Oh, greatly fortunate at Vendura, this external energy is known as Maya, or illusion, and through her agency only is the entire material manifestation made possible. The supreme living being, in his feature as the transcendental Purusha incarnation, who is the Lord's plenary expansion, impregnates the material nature of three modes, and thus by influence of eternal time the living entities appear. Thereafter, influenced by the interactions of eternal time, the supreme sum-tonal matter, called the Mahatattva, becomes manifested, and in this Mahatattva, the unalloyed goodness, the Supreme Lord, sowed the seeds of universal manifestation out of his own body. Thereafter, the Mahatattva differentiated itself into many different forms as the reservoir of would-be entities. The Mahatattva is chiefly in the mode of ignorance, and it generates the false ego. It is the plenary expansion of Lord Vishnu with full consciousness of creative principles and time for fructification. Mahatattva, or the great causal truth, transforms into false ego, which is manifested in three phases of cause, effect, and the doer. All such activities are on the mental plane and are based on the material elements, gross senses, and mental speculation. The false ego is represented in three different modes, goodness, passion, and ignorance. The false ego is transformed into mind by interaction with the mode of goodness. All the demigods who control the phenomenal world are also products of the same principle, namely the interaction of the false ego and the mode of goodness. The senses are certainly products of the mode of passion and false ego, and therefore philosophical, speculative knowledge and fruitive activities are predominantly products of the mode of passion.
the sky is a product of sound, and sound is the transformation of egotistic ignorance. In other words, the sky is a symbolic representation of the Supreme Soul. Thereafter, Lord Vishnu glanced over the sky, partly mixed with eternal time and external energy, and thus developed the touch sensation from which air in the sky was produced. Thereafter, the extremely powerful air, interacting with the sky, generated the form of sense perception, and the perception of form transformed into electricity, the light to see the world. When electricity was surcharged in the air and was glanced over by the Supreme at that time by a mixture of eternal time and external energy, there occurred the creation of water and taste. Thereafter, the water produced from electricity was glanced over by the Supreme Personality of Godhead and mixed with eternal time and external energy. Thus, it was transformed into the earth, which is qualified primarily by smell. Ah, gentle one, of all the physical elements, beginning from the sky down to the earth, all the inferior and superior qualities are due only to the final touch of the glance of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The controlling deities of all the above-mentioned physical elements are empowered expansions of Lord Vishnu. They are embodied by eternal time under the eternal energy and are they are his parts and parcels. Because they were entrusted with different functions of universal duties and were unable to perform them, they offered fascinating prayers to the Lord, such as, They said, O Lord, your lotus feet are like an umbrella for the surrendered souls, protecting them from all the miseries of material existence. All the sages under your shelter throw off all material miseries. We therefore offer our respectful obeisances unto your lotus feet. O Lord, the Supreme Personality Godhead, the living entities in the material world can never have any happiness because they are overwhelmed by the three kinds of miseries. Therefore, they take shelter of the shade of your lotus feet, which are full of knowledge, and we also take shelter of them. The lotus feet of the Lord are by themselves the shelter of all places of pilgrimage. The great clear-minded sages, carried by the wings of the Vedas, always search after the nest of your lotus-like face. Some of them surrender to your lotus feet at every step by taking shelter of the best of the rivers, the Ganges, which can deliver one from all sinful reactions. Simply by hearing about your lotus feet with eagerness and devotion, and by meditating upon them within the heart, one at once becomes enlightened with knowledge, and on the strength of detachment one becomes pacified. We must therefore take shelter of the sanctuary of your lotus feet. O Lord, you assume incarnations for the creation, maintenance, and dissolution of the cosmic manifestation. And therefore, we all take shelter of your lotus feet because they always award remembrance and courage to your devotees. Persons who are entangled by undesirable eagerness for the temporary body and kinsmen and who are bound by thoughts of mine and I are unable to see your lotus feet, although your lotus feet are situated within their own bodies. But let us take shelter of your lotus feet. Offensive persons whose internal vision has been too affected by external materialistic activities cannot see your lotus feet. But they are seen by your pure devotees, whose one and only aim is to transcendentally enjoy your activities. Persons who, because of their serious attitude, attain the stage of an enlightened devotional service, achieve the complete meaning of renunciation and knowledge, and attain the Vaikuntaloka in the spiritual side simply by drinking the nectar of your topics. Others who are pacified by means of transcendental self-realization, and have conquered over the modes of nature by dint of strong power and knowledge, also enter into you. But for them, there is much pain, whereas the devotee simply discharges devotion and service and thus feels no such pain. 
we are therefore but yours only. Although we are your creatures, we are born one after another under the influence of the three modes of nature, and for this reason we are separated in action. Therefore, after the creation, we could not act concernedly for your transcendental pleasure. O oh, unborn one, please enlighten us regarding the ways and means of which we can offer you all enjoyable gains and commodities so that both we and other living entities in this world can maintain ourselves without disturbance and can easily accumulate the necessities of life both for you and for ourselves. You are the original personal founder of all demigods and the orders of different graduations, yet you are the oldest and are unchanged. O oh Lord, you have no source or superior. You have impregnated the external energy with the semen of the total living entities, yet you are unborn. O oh, Supreme Self, please give us, who are created in the beginning from the Mahatattva, the total cosmic energy, your kind directions on how we shall act. Kindly award us your perfect knowledge and potency so that we can render your service in the different departments of subsequent creation. And thus ends this chapter. Two thoughts. Does the Shrimad Bhagavatam repeat itself? I sometimes feel like we're getting the same story over and over again, without real additions, but just sort of... A, it's like not a contradiction, but... I don't know. I'm not too sure if it's just that this book has been edited and changed and reinterpreted, which I believe it has been, or if it's just... It was poorly written and poorly organized, or if maybe it originally was smaller, or if they want us to hear the same thing over and over and over again because you have to hear it over and over again. That's the way the mind works. I don't know. It just feels like we, we get, like, I don't know. Enlighten me down below. Also, translation question. Uh, where was it? I saw it here. Um, oh, here it is. Verse 36. Thereafter, the water produced from electricity was glanced over by the Supreme Personality. And, and previous that, it says, um, verse 34, uh, generated the form of sense perception, and the perception of form transformed into electricity. Electricity, I believe, is a modern word created in the 1800s. Maybe not. Maybe it goes back older. This describes a kind of electricity in the air as it is today. But when this was written, is electricity the word that people would have thought of when reading the Sanskrit? I don't think so. I am reminded of Vivekananda and Nikolai Tesla because Vivekananda spoke on this idea that there is sort of this thing around us and Nikolai Tesla wanted to find that and was working with electricity but was looking for what is being described exactly here. Something that is spiritual, godly, whatever, that is not just electrical buzzes in the air. There was something it's it's more than that. That even without electricity, electricity as in like electronics, we would still have electrical buzzes in the air. But again, the word I think is a modern word. I would be interested in knowing what the Sanskrit word is and what the meaning of that Sanskrit word is, because I think it would change the definition just a little bit of, of what the sentence means. Anyways, minor comment. I often talk about translation issues I have. I think there's a lot of modern words we use, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Anyways, thoughts, comments, all that good stuff down below. Thank you for hanging with me, and we will move on to Chapter 6 in the next video. Harry Krishna, Harry Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Harry Harry, Harry Rama, Harry Rama, Rama Rama, Harry Harry.